We're good today? I want to say um, in front of all of you guys, because I know I could, could go and say this to his face, uh, and it would be one thing, but to say it in front of all of you, I am so grateful for Dylan Arms, and I'm grateful for his authenticity. Um, he is, um, honestly, here is, and I, I can say this, as someone who is a couple years older than Dylan, <clears throat> we're going to talk about secret sin in a minute when it comes to like the things that we kind of hide back in the closet. That's, I'm not, I'm significantly older than Dylan, but, um, one thing that I can say about him is honestly, he is someone that as a leader, I look up to, um, Coming here has been such a blessing for our family, um, not just because of the reasons that I, I thought it was going to be, but it was to be surrounded with people who are older, who are younger, who just authentically love Jesus and love people the way that Jesus loves them, and no matter what the situation and no matter what the circumstance, and I, am, I can stand here before all of you and say that um, I consider him a, a, not just a fellow staff member, and follower of Christ, but uh, man, I am, honestly, I am blown away by the people that I get to serve alongside every week, and Dylan is one of those. So uh, I just want to say thank you to him and his leadership and his authenticity as he does that every single week. And now that we move on with that little part of, if it's not a little part, that's the big significant part, yes, we can thank Jesus for what he's doing in the life of a lot of people here and uh, including you. Thank you so much for being here today. It is uh, 70 degrees outside and the majority of us dressed like it's 40, including me, who even went a little Mr. Rogers a little bit this morning, but it's okay. Uh, it's what it is. You know what I mean? I like this morning, I woke up and it's like 57. It's going to be that temperature all day. No, it's not. It doesn't work like that all the time. So uh, is anyone, does anyone wish that it was just 95 again in the middle of October? Okay. Okay, in all fairness, Elaine, I love you, but you have your, you've got your blanket, so you're good, right? You're good. Okay, all right. I do. I love you so much. The, uh, it is great to have you guys here this morning. We are going to continue a series called Hijack. The entire premise behind this series, we're talking about the things in our lives that have a tendency to hijack our relationship with God and uh, to our our joy, the blessing that we have in our life that we experience through Christ, all of those things are taken away by certain elements of our lives. And today we're going to talk about secrets. So who has a secret that you want to share? Okay, all right. Yeah, like there were some of you who were like, hey, yeah, whoa, no, I don't know where you're going. <laughs> I, I won't single anyone out. We won't do that this morning. Um, but here's the reason we hear that and we think, oh, yeah, I don't want anyone to know my secrets. It's not that we wouldn't want anyone to know the secrets that anyone else may have sometimes, but it's my secret. I don't want people to know the things that, uh, that I've entrusted to certain people, to friends, family members, people that I serve alongside. I don't want some of those things to get out. And here's why. It's because secrets are powerful. Not just because you can say that someone has some type of, some type of control over your life because they know a secret about you. No, it's because it's something that we've been entrusted with keeping confidential. More so than that, it's our curious human nature. I didn't butcher that line like I did in the first service. I'm really excited about that right now. Our curious human nature that makes us believe that any secret is a conspiracy 
All right, so I'm not throwing off on anyone who just holds to conspiracy theories about anything, but I, let's think about this. It's the things that we don't quite know or we don't quite understand are the things that often we say, well, there has to be something behind that. There has to be this shadow group of people who are running everything and controlling this and are controlling that and are making these things happen behind the scenes. Did anyone go storm Area 51 with everybody else? I don't know if that actually happened or not. I know that it's a thing. If you don't know what Area 51 is, um, Facebook, just jump on there. It's, uh, you'll find out all about it real fast. Um, no, really, it's the place that we believe that as the government we are, our government is hiding secrets about life on other planets, about uh, aliens who have landed here on Earth and all uh, extraterrestrials, not E.T., like we used not just, you know, Reese's Pieces and phone home. Like it's not, that's not what we're talking about. But we, we're going to storm area. No, we, I say we. I wasn't going to do it. I keep talking about that. Just, okay, I'll give you that. I, I'll give you that one. No. As a, there was a group of people who sit there and said, you know what? We really believe there's something there. And the only way we're ever going to really find out is to storm the gate and to actually find out what's being hidden behind the scenes. Because there's something that's so big that people don't want us to know it. It's the same thing with Bigfoot, right? Everyone has seen Bigfoot, Sasquatch, Yeti. Like, we know about this creature, but somewhere we're hiding this thing, and we're hiding him really well, <laughs> is all I know. Uh, there, there's, there's a Bigfoot in Blue Ridge. Um, if you don't know, that, that's where I live, size 14s. Just saying, um, that was a really bad joke. Y'all thought Jonathan was back up here. He's not here today. I can crack that one. No, I'll tell him I said that. Um, the Kennedy assassination. There were, had to be people that were on the, the grassy knoll. There had to be all kind of things that were happening. Maybe it was some of those aliens that are at Area 51. I, I'm not sure. But there are these conspiracies that we have because they're all based in secrets. And when secrets are hidden in secrets, and that's really the intent behind it, because collectively we start to think there has to be something bigger behind the gate. There has to be something bigger behind the fence, behind the closed door that would radically change our life if everyone just knew what was happening. That's where these theories are born out of. Each of us actually have certain aspects of our life that we don't want to see the light of day. It's not the things that we believe would completely make our country come unhinged. It's not even the things that we think some people would care about, but for us, our sin, our, our secret sin, the, the dirty little secret that's in our life that we just want to put in the deepest, darkest part of the closet, stack all the boxes up in front of it, all of the coats and jackets, and just push it in front and sit there and go, nobody's ever going to want to look back there, so I'm going to hide it here because if I do that, it's not so much that the world as a whole would change, but my world as a whole would change. If people started to figure out and find out exactly what I'm dealing with, the things that I've done, the things that I've thought, that I've said, the attitude that I've had in different situations, and I believe that we've all faced that at some point in time. Some of us are in here today, and the truth is, is that we have a closet full of secrets that we don't want anyone to ever find out about, because if we did, if we shared that, if anyone ever found out about it, our lives would be changed and would be destroyed in our minds. These are the parts of our lives that we believe mankind couldn't handle if they were to discover the truth about us. 
So what I want to encourage you with today is we're not the first people to suffer through this. We're not the first people to be faced with temptation and then act on it and then actually have all of these things happen in our lives. It happened with God's chosen people. It happened with the nation of Israel. They are in captivity in Egypt and they are led out and God does all of these great things to lead them to a, a promised land that he says, this is going to be yours. I want you here. But because of some trust issues and because of some disobedience, they end up wandering. They're just kind of out in the desert. They're out in the wilderness and they're wandering around for years and years and years and years. And as a result, even their leader, gets to, he gets to see the promised land, but he doesn't get there. It's Moses. But then there's a new leader, Joshua, who comes on the scene and God says, okay, it's time to go. They cross the Jordan River. And as they do, they set up these stones, that, uh, these markers that remind them of just how good God has been and that, hey, this is where we've gotten to. They face this incredible challenge of this fortified city known as Jericho. And God says, I, don't, I know that we've seen some crazy things happen, guys. I know there's been plagues, and I know that I've parted Red Seas, and that I've done all of these kind of things. But here's what I want you to do. I'm not just going to go in here and, you know, multiply the army overnight and the number of people or all these things. I want you for seven days, I want you to march around, just march around Jericho. Don't do anything. Just march. Then on day seven, do it seven times. And on the seventh time, the priests are going to blow the, the horns, the trumpets, and when they make one long blast, everyone's going to shout, and then I'm going to give you the city. And that's exactly what happens. He says, here's what I want you to do when you get in there. Trust me so much that when you get there, everything that's living, with the exception of Rahab and her family, who was a prostitute who actually helped the nation of Israel get into Jericho after the fact and was a, as spies came in, hid spies and helped them out. Saved their family, but everyone else, everything else killed them. Then there are going to be certain items that are, are going to be mine. We're going to take, we're going to put them in the, in the treasury as a reminder, but also as a way to give this back to God and say, okay, God, you did this for us. You gave us this victory. We are giving this back to you. And if you do anything other than that, it's not going to go well. So they do exactly what God asked. The walls fall. They do everything that he says. It's a huge victory. And the next place that they go to is a smaller town, and it's uh, A, it's spelled A-I. And, and it, they walk up, or they get to this area, and they send spies. They check it out, and they say, look, it's not going to take nearly as many people. We only have to send a few thousand. Let's make this happen. Uh, we're going to go destroy them easily. But what they didn't know is that there had been someone, there had been someone, who actually had done exactly the opposite of what God had asked them to do. There was a man by the name of Achan who saw some items when they were in Jericho and he kept them. Even though God said, don't keep anything, these things come back to me, destroy everything that's supposed to be destroyed. You don't need to hold on to that. And then he went and hid them. It was just his little secret. No one was going to know. But what ended up happening is there's this 
town, this group of people that they come to next that they should have easily overran and destroyed. And it didn't happen. All because of one person's dirty little secret. The one thing of this person who held on to something when he didn't have to and didn't quite believe that God was going to give them the next victory even though they just experienced it. He saw something in front of him. And so that's what I want us to talk about today. I want us to understand through this story and what comes after this of how our dirty little secret, the things in our lives that we think, say, do, whatever it may be, not the things that everyone sees because that's obviously public knowledge. It's the things that we hide away that we think are going to destroy us to understand how they affect us and how they hijack our relationship with God. So the first thing I want you to understand today is that your dirty little secret will overwhelm you. The secret sin that's in our life will overwhelm you. So once the battle of Jericho ends and Achan sins and and hides these things, his life is about to radically change. Joshua 7 verse 16 says, Early the next morning Joshua brought the tribes of Israel before the Lord. The tribe of Judah was singled out. Then the clans of Judah came forward and the clan of Zerah was singled out. And the families of Zerah came forward and the family of Zimri was singled out. And every member of Zimri's family was brought forward person by person and Achan was singled out. Then Joshua said to Achan, my son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, by telling the truth. Make your confession and tell me what you have done. Don't hide it from me. And Achan replied, it is true, I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. Among the plunder, I saw a beautiful robe from Babylon. Who doesn't want new clothes? 200 silver coins. Who doesn't want some more money? And a bar of gold weighing more than a pound. If you'll look under your seat today, we have placed a one-pound bar of gold. Okay, y'all know enough about us that that's not going to happen. Okay, good, good deal. I appreciate that. I wanted them so much that I took them. They are hidden in the ground beneath my tent with the silver buried deeper than the rest. To me, the most important part of what's said here is the next to last sentence. I wanted them so much that I took them. You see, Achan's sin didn't overwhelm him once he hid the items under his tent. It didn't overwhelm him the moment that he started walking back to go hide them. It didn't overwhelm him in the moment where something took place after the fact and he was called out and said, hey, give glory to God, confess this. And, and, and let's get back in this right relationship. Don't allow this secret to overwhelm you. No, it says, I wanted them so much that I took them. In that moment, he was overwhelmed. When he saw something that he wanted so bad that he forgot everything else that God had said and how he was going to bless them and say, I know these things can make you happy. I know having them can make you wealthy. But trust that your intentions are never gonna be as good as my intentions for you. That what you think is best for you is never going to be as good as what I have in store for you. I get that you've been a part of a group of people who have been wandering around for years. Maybe you feel like I owe you something. Maybe today you feel like God owes you something. And the reason that you're overwhelmed by the secret in your life is not because you've hidden it. You're overwhelmed the moment you decided to act on the temptation. I can see all of the reasons why this man may have wanted to do this, but when we decide that we're going to act, that's when our dirty little secret overwhelms us. 
the moment he felt that desire in his life, that was the moment that he ended up on a path that he didn't want to be on. And ultimately was going to put him on a path that no one else wanted to be on. A few years ago, I took a group uh, at a previous church on a ski trip. And we went to Sugar Mountain. And in the group parking lot, which is all gravel, there is this little winding paved path that goes up. And there were a lot of groups that got there in front of us. And as we were walking up where we needed to go, I start up the side and um, I'm looking and there are ropes and there are signs that are saying, stay on this path. Stay on this paved road. Well, all of these people are in front of me and I just want my group to get on the slope as fast as they possibly can. I want to get up and ski as fast as I possibly can. But I'm going to have to stand behind all of these big tour buses and all of these larger groups. And I don't want to do that. And in my mind, I'm sitting there going, nope, you know what? There has to be a faster way. And the faster way is going to be for me to get past all of these people who are walking so slow in front of me. So what I decided to do is as I was walking to the group check-in to get our lift tickets, as I kept looking around, how can I get around this group? How can I get around all of these people? And I look over to the side and I see that there is this hill. And as I'm looking at the hill, I went, you know what? There's some snow on it and stuff, but there's, there's a path in the middle of it. I know that there's ropes and stuff marking off the hill, but if I just get down there fast enough to my group, I'm going to be the hero of the day. They're going to love everything about me because we're going to get out there in front of these bigger groups. We're going to be able to ski and snowboard all day. It's going to be fantastic. So I kind of plot out what I'm going to do. And as we get up and we check in, or I check in for my group, the other groups start to come down, and they're doing exactly what they're supposed to do. They're following the guardrails. They're following the ropes and the signs. They're staying on the, the asphalt path. And I walk up to the hill, and I look over, and I'm like, that's a little steeper than I thought it was coming up here. But I wanted to be the hero. I wanted to be the guy that at the end of the day, all of the other youth groups said, man, I wish he was my pastor. I wish that, that my leader would have thought to come down here and, and to go down that hill so that we could beat everyone else. So I started down the hill. I stepped over the rope. I went past the sign that told me not to do it. I get on the path and I start to go. And as I'm starting to run, I'm going, yep, definitely a lot steeper. All mud. And as I'm running, I start to think, you know, I'm going a little fast, but I think I know how to slow myself down. So as I'm going down the hill, have you ever been going downhill so fast that you think, you know what, the easiest thing for me to do is just kind of run but bounce side to side as I do that? Some of you are like, nope, I stay on the asphalt path. You're the one who went down the hill. I understand that. I get it. So I start down the hill, and that's what's happening. I'm kind of bouncing back and forth, and as I'm doing that, in my mind, I'm sitting there going, I'm a little bit out of control, but I'm good with that because I am still going to be the first person back down to my group and we are going to be able to get on the slope before anyone else. It was at that point that my foot hit a patch of really slick mud. My right foot went out from under me and I started to go backward. And I thought to myself, if I land on my back, I'm going to slide down this hill like a punk. And when I do... Everyone's going to laugh at me and make fun of me, and then my group's not going to want to have anything to do with me. All the gravel that's in the parking lot down there, they're just going to start slinging it at me. Like, that's what's going to happen. So I said, you know what? I think I still have a little bit of the athletic ability that God somewhat blessed me with that I think that I have, you know, that I had before, but I may still have now. 
I think I can actually just right the ship and I can just kind of kick myself forward and as I do, I'll just go upright and I'll just run back down into the, into the parking lot. <clears throat> so that was what I decided to do because no youth pastor wants to end up being a punk. Uh, no one wants to be like that. So I start to fall, I lean forward and as I do, I overcorrect because I'm going too fast. A couple thoughts go through my mind. You have one of two options. One, you can try to uh, summon up a little bit more of that athletic ability that you thought that you had, and you can try to slow yourself down, or you're going to land on your face. You're going to slide face first into that gravel parking lot. You're going to look up at your group with teeth falling out of your mouth and blood and snot and tears and a whole lot of insecurity, and you're going to go, here's your lift tickets. Uh, and they're just going to be like, we don't know who you are, but thanks. So I decide that I'm going to summon up the athletic ability, and as I kick myself forward and I'm now falling on my face, I start to go, there's only one way to correct this, and that is it's going to be better to land on my back than on my face, let's be honest. So I don't try to go backward again because I'm out of control at this point. Instead, I just tucked my head and decided, I'll, I'll just land on my back, and it'll, it is what it is. Instead, I was going so fast that when I bent over and tucked my head, I landed flat on my rear end, popped straight up on my feet, and ran it out into the parking lot. If you don't understand what running something out means, this is what it's about. There is someone in this building, I can guarantee you, I'm trying to look everywhere because if you did this this morning, I didn't see it. It's just one of the greatest coincidences ever. Um, when you're walking and the invisible sidewalk or parking lot monster reaches up and grabs your shoelace and you just trip like that and then you go, yep, meant to do that, run it out. That's what I did. I flipped, bounced straight up on my feet and ran into the parking lot. I got to my group. Well, here's what you need to understand first. As I ran past the big group that was blocking me from getting down the hill, I looked at them and just held the lift tickets up in the air and went, what's up, guys, and kept on running to my group. And as I got to them, my group is literally applauding. And I'm sitting there going, yep, that's right, I did that. I am the hero of the moment. One of the guys in the group walks up to me and went, dude, that was awesome. So what are you talking about? He went, you fell, and you knew you were going to fall, but you decided you were going to do a flip and a forward roll, and you ran past those people. And I went, that is exactly what I intended to do. <laughs> Very early on, I understood that when I stepped over that rope, went past the sign, and ended up on that path, I made the decision to get on the path no one else did. But I also would recognize really quickly that I was completely out of control. And I kept trying to do something to correct it. And every time I did, it ended up that something else happened. And I had to cover that with something else. And I had to cover that with something else. Well, that was the only time I fell all day. Literally, it was like Frosty the Mud Man instead of the Snowman as I'm on the slopes. I mean, just brown all over me from the, the mud, nothing else. I wasn't that freaked out. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, that's what happens when the student pastor gets up here. Um, but to me, there was no turning back. 
And the reason was because I was consumed by what could be. I was consumed about what my group was going to think of me if I got there faster than the other groups did. If I did something that no one else was willing to do, even if it was going to make me uncomfortable in the moment because in my mind it was for the good of everyone else. What I've discovered over the years is that actually the reason that I did that is it was for me. I wanted to get on the slope faster than anyone else. I wanted my group to not have to wait. And I kept saying that, but whenever I kept using the word my or me or I, it wasn't about them. I made the decision that I made. So then every, every decision that was made had to have another lie stacked on top of it, had to have another secret before it was brought to light. Here is the secrets that we have, the dirty little secrets, the secret sin doesn't overwhelm us once we stash it away somewhere. We stash it away because we're overwhelmed by it. I had to keep saying these things and I had to look at that group and, and do what I did and I had, to, I had to accept the applause and the adoration of my group in that moment because if I didn't, if I said, guys, I, I just gotta admit it wasn't about y'all here. Y'all do what you want to, I'm leaving. It was about me. That's what happened. As soon as I started down that path, I knew I was in trouble. When we decide that we're going to act on the temptation that we're facing, that's when we become overwhelmed. And if we know that it's wrong and we know that we shouldn't do it, we like to blame everyone else a lot of times. I was the one who stepped over that rope. I was the one who didn't follow what the signs said. I was the one who wanted to do all of those things. My pride ended up being hurt. I had to lie to my group. I fell once all day in the mud and not on the snow. Ego was building up inside of me, but that was my secret and I held on to it. I'm the one who put myself on that path. James 4.17 says, remember it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. What you should do and then not do it. You see, the ropes and the signs, the guardrails in our lives, they're not trying to keep you from getting somewhere. They're just trying to keep you safe as you're in the process of getting there down the path. The things that God said about destroy these things, give these things back to me. It wasn't about trying to hold something back from Achan. It wasn't about trying to hold something back from his family, from the tribe that he was a part of. It wasn't a part about trying to hold something back from the nation of Israel. It was about something more because I can manufacture my own happiness by doing the things that I want to do. But God wants me to be more than happy. God wants me to be full of joy. He wants me to be blessed and blessing can only come from God. This man thought that he understood what blessing was going to be and that he knew better about his life than anyone else. Achan knew what he was doing was wrong. He had heard God's commands. He had seen the signs, the guardrails, so to speak. But he allowed temptation to overwhelm him to the point that he had to hide his sin. Some of us today have seen the guardrails. We've seen the signs. And we sit there and think to ourselves. What do we do now? Well, if it's about my comfort and it's about me and I decide to act and I'm out of control, 
obviously this is going to hurt me if anyone finds out about it, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to bury it. I'm going to hide it. I'm not going to deal with it. I'm going to blame other people. We can prevent ourselves by getting to this point by being in tune with God, understanding that His direction for our lives are for our good and His glory. And I think a lot of us hide these things away in our lives because we're afraid that life is going to get nasty, we're going to get a little bit dirty, we're going to be bloodied, we may even lose a, a, the respect of people. But in the end, we're the ones who are overwhelmed by that action. We're the ones who are overwhelmed by what we see in front of us. That was what happened with Achan. It wasn't anyone else's fault. His dirty little secret overwhelmed him. But not only that, your dirty little secret will overwhelm others. We hide our sin because we don't want to be found out, because we don't want to be hurt. That's the reason we do that. And I think some of us would even say, well, it's because I don't want other people to be hurt because of what I've done. I get that. But I know that for me personally, the reason that I don't want to bring things to light, I don't want to seek forgiveness, I, I remain bitter about things, and I'm overwhelmed by the thoughts of who I am and what people expect me to be. I like to try to blame on other people, but really when it comes down to it, I hide them because I know deep down where that comes from. God does too. But we fail to realize that our hurt will actually hurt others. Verse 22 says, So Joshua sent some men to make a search. They ran to the tent. They found the stolen goods hidden there, just as Achan had said, with the silver buried beneath the rest. They took the things from the tent and they brought them to Joshua and all the Israelites. They laid them on the ground in the presence of the Lord. Then Joshua and all the Israelites took Achan, the silver, the robe, the bar of gold. They could have stopped there, by the way. At least in his mind, he was worried that that's where it was going to end. But it didn't. His sons, daughters, cattle, donkeys, sheeps, goat, sheep, goats, tent, and everything he had, they brought them to the valley of Acre. Then Joshua said to Achan, Why have you brought trouble on us? The Lord will now bring trouble on you. And all the Israelites stoned Achan and his family and burned their bodies. Now there's some of us in here sitting there thinking right now, and that's why we hide the secret in the back of the closet. I understand that. That's why I bury it deep beneath where no one can see, no one knows about what's going on in my life, because if I do, I'm going to get hurt and everyone else is too. I realized that what I just read was pretty hardcore. We went from zero to way out there pretty fast. But this guy's sin overwhelmed. I'm not even going to talk about the entire nation for the moment. It overwhelmed his family. Did he intend for that to happen? I doubt it. I think he probably wanted the best for them. But when we sin, rarely are we thinking about other people. We sin because it's about what's good for us, what we think is good for us. It demonstrates, actually, that we don't trust God as much as we think we do sometimes or we say that we do because we believe that we know what we need and want more than God does. That's why we don't see the potential ramifications that our secrets are going to have on everyone else. The sin in our life that we hide away is going to have on someone else because... We just don't want to get hurt. But generally, it's the people who are closest to us that are affected the most. 
It's our family. It's our close friends. It's the people that we work alongside. It's the people that we serve alongside. It's the people that we lead. It's the people that we serve. That's something that for me personally, I've been dealing with a lot the last couple weeks. Trying to understand that maybe what I think everyone expects me to be and who I'm trying to be are so radically different that I just hide everything. And then I become overwhelmed with anxiety and fear, panic, low self-esteem. Does it sound familiar to anyone in the room? I think there are a lot of us who would say at some point in time we've been there. We've gone through that. But understand that you can say those things, but until you recognize that the things that we're hiding away are having an effect on other people as well. I mean, think about it. These people who are close to him had to know that something was going on. Rarely can we have something that's so big that we're hiding that we can just act like nothing is happening. It's the reason that people want to storm Area 51 is because there are gates and barbed wire and secrets and all of these kind of things. That's the reason. What are they hiding? Because it's different from what they normally see happening. He was going to great lengths to hide the secret, to hide the sin. For any parent, grandparent, anyone who's around, specifically young children, you'll understand this. You don't get really worried when kids get loud. You know something bad's happening when they get really quiet. You know that there's something that they're trying to hide. There's something that they don't want you to know about. There's something that's bothering them when their attitude completely changes. And this thought just occurred to me as I was saying that. Then how can we not think that a heavenly father won't recognize that about us? The thing is, is that he already knows, but it's the people that are really close to us. We think, oh, I can hide it from God. I can hide it from everyone else. But then we start acting quiet. We hide things. We close the door, whatever it may be. My eight-year-old becomes a different child when she's trying to hide something. This 40-year-old becomes a different child when he's trying to hide something. When I become so wrapped up in what's making me happy, rarely will anything be good enough for me. Rarely will anyone be good enough for me. But then instead what happens is I start to think, well, I can at least have this for myself because it's everyone else's fault. That's not how it works. We end up neglecting, ignoring, and ultimately hurting those who are closest to us. Do we mean to? Often not. But we're blinded by our sin. We're overwhelmed by the dirty little secret. And see, it's not just our family, it's not just our friends that become overwhelmed by that. It's people that God had done such a miraculous work in ended up being overwhelmed by it as well. These people said, you know what, we don't... The spies who went out, the people who were scouting out this area said, we don't need to, this is nothing like Jericho. We don't need as many people. Let's send some and let's just a few and let's see what happens. This won't be any problem. So Joshua 7, 4 says approximately 3,000 warriors were sent to A. 
but they were soundly defeated. The men of Ai chased the Israelites from the town gate as far as the quarries, and they killed about 36 who were retreating down the slope. The Israelites were paralyzed with fear at this turn of events, and their courage melted away. Joshua and the elders of Israel tore their clothing in dismay, threw dust on their heads, and bowed down before the ground before the ark of the Lord until evening. Then Joshua cried out, O sovereign Lord, why did you bring this? Bring us across the Jordan River if you're going to let the Amorites kill us. If only we had been content to stay on the other side. Lord, what can I say now that Israel has fled from the enemies? For when the Canaanites and all the other people living in the land hear about it, they will surround us and wipe our name off the face of the earth. And then what will happen to the honor of your great name? This didn't happen after the family was destroyed and after all of these things were destroyed. This was a result of that. This town was nothing compared to Jericho. They should have had no problem taking it. But one person's dirty little secret caused an entire nation to stumble. In the same way, our secret sin will affect our family, our friends, and fellow believers, followers of Christ. The Bible tells us that if you're a follower of Christ, you're a part of the body of Christ. And if you're a part of that body, then we all have these, these individual gifts and abilities. But you know what I, I've recognized about the human body is that just because you get a cut on your hand, the entire body can become infected. The entire body can suffer. The entire body can become overwhelmed. Because if you have that cut on your hand and you don't do anything about it and you don't take care of it, you don't clean the wound, you don't put the antibiotic ointment on it, you don't bandage it up, and you just allow it, allow anything that could possibly affect it in the wrong way, then the rest of your body starts to feel bad. Infection rarely stays localized. It spreads. It's the reason that it's not that just that one part of your body becomes warm from the infection and from the fever, it's your entire body. There are people I know who have had insect bites that have then turned into staph infections, spread throughout their body. I don't think that this man was thinking that when he was taking something, he was overwhelmed by this desire to have these things. I really don't think that he was thinking about that 36 people were going to die. Then maybe he didn't even know. Then there's his family, all of his possessions. I know that for me, there's been a lot of uh, conversations recently about, hey, I want to apologize to you because I've felt this way or I've said this or I've done these things. But I don't want to be overwhelmed by that secret. I don't want others to be overwhelmed by the secret. But more importantly, I don't want to overwhelm the walls that God wants to come down in all of our lives. I want to see, I want, if God's done it before, he can do it again. We've talked about that. We've sang about it. We sit there and we go, yeah, I really do believe that. But if I continuously hold on to these things in my life, then there's something that's a part of my life that infects the entire body. So for me, I've been so overwhelmed more so that people not, don't necessarily think bad about me or any of those things, but just the thought of, I have to make myself invaluable. I have to 
do more, I have to be more for other people. No, for me, it's the same thing as running down that hill. It ended up being more about me than anybody else. And I get that this seems hopeless, and I get that we're pointing a message right now where you're like, can you go back and talk about falling again because that was a little funnier than what we're talking about now? Well, maybe this will lighten the mood a little bit. Not only does our secret sin overwhelm us, overwhelm others, but the good news about this is that God wants to overwhelm your secret sin. God wants to overwhelm your dirty little secret. You look at this story on its surface and it makes you wonder, where's the hope? This man and his family are dead. The nation of Israel has been defeated. God is, but God is always at work and he's never caught off guard even when we have these things that we're hiding in our lives. Even when we have these things that if we think they come to the light of day, that it's going to destroy us and everyone else, God wants to overwhelm that dirty little secret. We're gonna skip over to Joshua 8. Verse 18 says, then the Lord said to Joshua, this is after all of this has happened. They've come back, they've repented, they, they've been restored. It says, the Lord said to Joshua, point the spear in your hand toward A, for I will hand the town over to you. Joshua did as he commanded. As soon as Joshua gave the signal, all the men in ambush jumped up from their position and poured into the town. They quickly captured it and set it on fire. God is ready to overwhelm our secret sin. He's ready to overwhelm the dirty little secret in our life, but it's going to require something of us. It's repent. Repent and be restored. That's what God said to them. Meaning if you're going this way and you think that it's best and you want to say, well, I'm going this way because this is what I think I need to do and it's because I'm trying to get away from people that are over there that I'm heading this direction but we know that our secret is not that, then don't keep walking in that direction. Turn, that's what repentance is and head the other direction. God says, if you'll repent, you'll be restored. And this is the great thing about who our God is. 1 John 1, 9 says, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive those sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness or all unrighteousness. Repent and be restored. Confess and be forgiven. That's how God overwhelms my dirty little secret. That's how God overwhelms the sin that's in my life. That's what happens there. And you can say, well, if God really does love me that much, if he really is, like you guys talk about all the time that God really is that crazy about me, why won't he just forgive me? Without me having to say anything, why can't I just have what I want, do what I want, and know that there's a God who loves me that much because... Not only ultimately is it going to overwhelm us because we're holding on to those things, then we have an expectation of God that's not real. And ultimately, we end up having expectations of ourselves and others that aren't real. And that's a miserable way to live. And I'm not saying that for if you're sitting out there and going, wow, that sounded like he was kind of condemning me. I feel that way today. No, I'm saying that because I've been in that boat. It's not just about stepping over a rope and actually running down the hill and the next thing you know, you're out of control. All of us experience that at some point in time. Some of us are experiencing that right now. The only thing that's in our mind, even for me right now, is how fast can I get off the stage and actually run out the door? 
For some of us in here, that's all we want to do in the moment. Because we're overwhelmed with what we're hiding. We're overwhelmed what we know about ourselves. We see what it's doing to other people around us because of our actions. But God wants to overwhelm those things because he loves us that much. And it really is as simple as ABC. Admit to God that you are a sinner in need of a savior and that you can't change that. You're just gonna keep stepping over the rope. You're gonna keep ignoring the sign. You're gonna keep running down the hill and you're gonna find yourself out of control trying to fix it. And when you do, you end up finding yourself dirty and beaten up and scarred from what's happened and you don't know what to do next. So you just take all of those things and shove them back in the closet. Don't do anything. Admit and bring those things to light. Admit that you can't fix yourself. B, believe that God really does love you that much. So much that his son died for you on a cross. A sinner's death when he had never sinned, and he rose three days later, that by our faith in him, through the grace of God, we can be forgiven of our sin. Confess and be forgiven. Repent and be restored. I want to ask everyone to close their eyes for a moment as we wrap up. Some of us are sitting in here going, God won't forgive me. Brian, you don't know what I'm hiding. You don't know what's buried down deep that no one else has seen in years. You're right. But before you are knit together in your mother's womb. That's what Psalm 139 says. God knew you. He knew you were going to feel that way today and still, even though you believe that you cannot be forgiven because of the secrets that you're holding on to, because of the dirty little secrets in your life, whatever it may be and for however long you've held on to it, still sent his son because he loves you that much and Jesus still died on the cross and he still rose again because he wants you to be restored. He wants you to have that relationship. He wants me to have that relationship. No one is too far gone to be forgiven. It just requires that we make the move. So I'm going to do this, and I'm going to ask that no one look around, and you're just going to have to trust me on this one, that I have my eyes closed as well. Is there anyone in the room this morning who says, Ryan, I've got some stuff that's hidden. I'm overwhelmed by it. I was overwhelmed by it then. I am now. I see how it's affecting other people in my life. I know I have this relationship with God. I've committed my life to him. I've done that before, but I, I need to repent of those things and be restored to a right relationship with him and, and hopefully in some other people that, that have been overwhelmed because of me. I'm not even looking right now. Would you just raise your hand? Because I want to pray for us. And there's a reason I say us. Because my hand's up too. Father, for those of us who know you, know what we ought to do and we don't do it, who become overwhelmed at the thought of what we should have and what we should be, what you owe us or what someone else owes us. God, I repent. I turn from those things today. Please forgive me. 
restore me in my relationship with you and with others. Thank you for the freedom that believers in this room right now are experiencing, even though they didn't think they could be. And for those who are in the room right now who've never thought that God would be willing to forgive them, that never thought that there would be anyone willing to love you that much, you can experience that today for the first time. Just talk to God and say something like this. I admit that I have these things in my life the sin that I can't change. And no matter how much I hide it, I'm overwhelmed by it. I was overwhelmed by it then and I am now. God, I can't fix it. And no one else here can, but you can. And I believe that you love me so much that you made a way for me to do that. As your son died on a cross and rose again so that you can overwhelm my dirty little secrets. So today I ask you to forgive me, save me, change me, and make me something new. I'm tired of stepping over the guardrails. I'm tired of ignoring the signs and being out of control in my life. Now this is about you now and not me. Thank you, God, that no one is too far gone to be forgiven. And that even before we came to this moment today, you knew what we needed in order to be restored so that you could overwhelm our secrets, overwhelm our sin. Thank you, God, for new life, for freedom in this place. In Jesus' name we pray.